Hi, this is Shanna Borman here with Straight Talk and Honest Advice, the podcast about a person's decision to file for divorce, the journey of that divorce process, and then what life looks like on the other side. And today, I'm lucky to be joined by my colleague, Lauren Perkins. So hello, Lauren. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. So Lauren, I, I wanted to, you're, you're, um, what you're going to contribute to the podcast today is a little bit different than what some of the, the guests from last season have contributed. Those guests mostly tailored their stories about what they experienced in making their decisions. But you have a unique experience of your own where you didn't make the decision, but you were essentially the child of that decision. So can you tell, um, tell, the, tell our viewers what it was like to grow up with divorced parents? You know, it was a struggle. I, all of my friends had parents that were still together. I was the oddball out with divorced parents and my parents have been divorced since I was four. So pretty much my entire life, I haven't known anything different. So if your parents divorced when you were four, uh, Lauren, can you tell me, were there um, immediately struggles for you as a four-year-old in going from home to home? Oh, absolutely. You know, my mom had full custody of us, but I went to my dad's every other weekend and then one month in the summer. And I noticed that I was just really struggling with building a relationship with my dad with not seeing him as often as I had in my younger years growing up. And then I also had some physiological effects of going through the divorce at such a young age. I internalized my stress and anxiety that I was feeling to the point where I would make myself sick every day when they weren't really sure what was going on, come to find out a few years later doing some self-reflecting, it really stemmed from the anxieties of their divorce and how that affected me. So do you think that the anxiety that you experienced is something that many children experience? Oh, absolutely. You know, mental health now has such a, so much awareness versus what it did in the past 20 years, 30 years. And I think that a lot of young children, especially going through family law issues, do have those anxiety and stress factors that aren't always addressed because, like I said, it hasn't always had the awareness around it. And so I do think if they did some research into that specific topic, how many kids going through a divorce or custody battle have some sort of mental illness issues I think the number would be astronomically higher than what anybody would guess. So, you know, we always hear that children are um, children are resilient and they'll adjust and adapt. And I think on the whole, that's probably true. But can you can you share with the viewers how your feelings of anxiety and stress manifested themselves? And so maybe what our viewers can be on the lookout for if they see these things with their kids? Right. No, absolutely. I. I was always a bubbly, outgoing child. I made friends with everybody very easily, but there would just be moments in time where I got so wore down, I didn't want to be with anybody. And that was just very out of character for me. And it was just because I was internalizing all of these feelings. I didn't know how to talk to my mom about it because she's also going through the divorce. I can't talk to my dad about it because not only is he losing my mom, he's losing his entire family, you know, because my mom had full custody. So just knowing that my personality was completely different than what it was on a day-to-day -day basis made my mom realize, okay, she's not telling me something's wrong, but there's something going on. And then at that point, she was able to get me involved with some counselors and therapists, and I was able to have somebody kind of guide me into opening up. I wasn't willing to just talk about my issues and feelings. I needed somebody to kind of 
poke at me to get those things out of me. And I was able to do that by going to therapy. So the value of therapy for you was pretty, pretty, pretty significant. Is that fair to say? I can honestly say I do not think I would be sitting here if it weren't for the therapists and counselors I had once my mom realized, okay, something's wrong. So one, so kind of share with us a little bit more, Lauren, about what were the specific struggles and fears that you experienced as a child, like that caused some of that anxiety? Oh, absolutely. It was the fear of the unknown. You know, I know I was only four years old, so I hadn't lived much. I didn't know much. I don't remember but it was still that fear of I'm going to be living with a single mom who's working three jobs just to put food on the table for me and my brother. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know where I'm going to be in a year from now. It was just the unknown and in the same field, knowing that I will never have what I did have. My life as I know it is completely gone, different to be changed. And I don't know what that looks like. So can you tell me, was the visitation schedule, was that part of the factor of the unknown? Yes. So I, I'm a big daddy's girl. I love my dad. I love spending time with him. And just knowing that I wasn't going to see him as often, I was only seeing him twice a month. And even then when I did see him, it was only for two or three days at a time. It just, it scared me knowing that I wasn't going to be there to have that time to build a relationship with him in the same sense. And I don't know, I didn't know going into that how he would feel about our relationship either because he's not there to see me just the same, you know. What kind of distance was there between your parents? Were they both located in the same community or was there a significant uh, distance between y'all? They lived about 45 minutes apart. So on Friday, I would go home after school, pack up real quick, drive 30 minutes with my mom. My dad would drive 30 minutes to meet halfway and then ride on and do that until five o'clock on Sunday and repeat the process. So did your parents do anything? Sometimes what we talk about with our clients is to maybe make a calendar so that you kind of mark off the day and then you have the, the weekends colored or the times that you're going to see the other parent colored. Would those things you think have been helpful for you? Oh, absolutely. For me, I'm very much an organized, detail-oriented person. So if I were able to physically have a way to mark the days, count down the days until I know, okay, this is the time I'm going to be able to spend with my dad so that I can prepare anything in my personal life to have an open, clear mind that weekend to fully be in the time I'm spending with him. And appreciate so would that it. have been helpful for you, you think? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So was there a time when either one of your parents got remarried so that you had different types of issues to deal with? Yeah, so actually my parents got divorced when I was four and my dad was remarried by the time I was five. So it was a pretty quick turnaround um, and she had brought three kids into the marriage, my dad bringing two kids into the marriage. So it was a blended family right off the bat. So in that blended family, were there struggles that you experienced even in that kind of in that sort of new nuclear family? No, for sure. My 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 parents love each other. They love their kids. My dad and my stepmom, both very strong advocates for their children. And that's where the issues tended to come because it was always my kids versus your kids. And the yeah. children in the relationship started to pick up on that. And so we would kind of pit against each other, me and my brother versus the rest of the siblings. And no siblings should ever be like that, you know? So almost like a us against them kind of exactly. mentality that sort of resulted from that struggle. Right. And it was first seen in their marriage and then portrayed into the relationship between the children. 
Right. So really, I think, you know, if you had been able to, you know, and not that not that kids would, but if kids could articulate, hey, you know, we're, we're reliving your struggle, that might have been helpful. Right. Oh, for sure. Don't you think that your parents, um, did your dad do any kind of counseling to kind of get to be maybe, you know, over that hump? Was there any sort of intervention that stopped that, that kind of, I guess, system going on? Honestly, like what stopped that dynamic? Nothing. They got divorced. That's the only, oh. yeah, that was the only way that we were able to rebuild our relationship. I, I started to hold it against my dad that he made our, my relationships with my siblings so stressful and so hard to maintain because of his conflicts with my stepmom. Whenever my dad did get divorced because there was so much resentment built up and his issues being portrayed in my relationships with my siblings, I turned that into resentment towards him. And I really didn't talk to my dad for much after the divorce um, until he told me that he had been going to church and he had met somebody new. This would be his third wife. Um, they got married in 2019. She really is the reason that I was able to rebuild that relationship with him because she was able to change his mindset of being in a blended family. You know, she brought two more children to the table, my dad bringing two children to this marriage, so four children total. And the dynamic in this family is a complete 180 from what I grew up with, with his second wife, because there isn't that my kids versus your kids. It's these are our kids. This is our family. What can we do to grow our family together? So how old were you when your dad divorced the second wife? So how long, I guess, a gap was there between, you know, you having that really sort of dysfunctional dynamic with the step siblings versus um, having this new um, relationship with the, with the third wife? Yeah, so my dad was actually married to my uh, stepmom, my first stepmom, his second wife, from the time I was five until I was 17. So it was a 12-year wow. marriage, 12-year family, a lot of toxicity. And so I was very, very thankful that he was able to get out and get the help that he needed on him, for himself so that in turn he could flip that around and translate that into his relationship with his children. And isn't it funny how much his relationship with his wife kind of ricocheted onto onto his kids? Did your brother experience that same issue? Oh, my my brother's still experiencing issues. My brother's not as aware as I am of what we went through in our childhood, and he hasn't been as committed to putting in the work to fix the issues that we did deal with growing up. And so, my brother, I mean, he's only 21 months younger than me doesn't have a job, barely graduated high school, um, just struggling in life in general because he won't do the work to deal with the issues that we had mentally growing up. Mm -hmm. But a lot of struggles, it seems like, come from a, come from not just the divorce, but then the subsequent toxicity in that second marriage. Oh, for sure. It, it wasn't just them fighting all the time. There were other aspects. They were drinking, there was partying and things like that. And then the children just wanting attention. And so we were acting out in any way we could to get that attention. And it was just a very, very negative situation. And I'm so thankful that not only I was able to get out, but that my dad was able to get out and save himself. So tell me, Lauren, what was it like with your mom then? So you have kind of this toxic relationship going on in your dad's environment, right? You know, his relationship with his, with his new wife. What was it like with your mom? My mom is my rock. I confide in her for everything. And when I was growing up, there was some struggles that came from that because I would go and tell her, you know, 
I miss my dad. I want to spend more time with my dad. And she's my mom. She loves me just the same. She wants to spend time with me. So sometimes she would take that as, well, why don't you want to spend time with me? And it really took us a couple of conversations of sitting down and talking like, I love you. I want to spend all of my time with you. I want to live with you full time because we had the maturity clause. So I had the choice to choose. Um, but I'm also struggling with building this relationship with my dad. And so I just kind of leaned into her, what she can do to help support me in rebuilding that relationship. So it sounds like she kind of took personally any kind of request that you had for more time with dad, not seeing that, you know, you needed time with him. She took it personally that you didn't want time with her when that was not what she meant at all. Right, right. And so once we've had a few conversations about that, she was able to realize, okay, you're with me all the time. You see your dad four days a month. So if you want to go over there an extra weekend, go ahead and go over there. We'll, we'll arrange it. We'll set it up. Um, that shift, that shift really didn't happen until about 10 years old. She, you know, she saw my anxiety. She saw the struggles I had from dealing with their divorce and then in turn dealing with his second marriage. And so I think she was in her own way trying to kind of shield me from that, protect me from that. But once she realized it was really negatively affecting the bond I had with my dad, she kind of pushed me, okay, if you want to go spend more time, go spend more time. So can you tell me, was there a, was there a time that when you had a conversation with your mom about wanting to spend more time with your dad, did you then initiate communication with your dad to say, Hey, I'd like to spend more time with you. And I'd like for it to be the two of us to kind of, I don't know, almost like go on father daughter dates or something. I had, how did that turn out? What, I mean, what, what was that process? Yeah, so it really, I mean, I've told you about the issues I had with him and fighting with his second wife and how that affected my relationships with my siblings and whatnot, but it also affected my relationship with him because I didn't want to be around such a negative person. And so when it came time for me to finally be ready to spend more time with him going over to his house outside of the visitation schedule, I kind of just sat him aside and it was very mature thing for me to do at my age, but I told him like, I love you. I want to have this relationship with you. I cannot keep dealing with all this toxicity and back and forth and trying to pit each other against each other. So either something's going to have to change or I'm just not going to be able to keep this relationship. And I think that he really took that to heart because then at that point he was able to kind of separate, okay, these are the feelings that I have but I don't need to talk to my 13, 14 year old daughter about them. Right. Right. So right. then I was able to spend time with him, watch movies with him, do whatever. And it would not turn into a, this is everything I hate about my marriage and everything else, you know? Right. You're not a confidant. You're a child. Right. right. Exactly. What you're, I'm supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> right. Exactly. Put you in the role that you really need to be, need to, need to mature in. Right. Yeah, right. And you know what I see sometimes Lauren is that parents will kind of inadvertently do what you just suggested. That is to say, use their child as a, as a, um, almost like a, a confidant friend rather than, um, a child whose other parent is just as important to that child as they are. And so, um, and we call that generally or sometimes alienating behaviors. So did either one of your parents engage in alienating behaviors against your, the other parent? I mean, I know about your dad and his stepmom, the stepmom situation, but what about the two of them pitting against one another? Whenever I was younger, I'd say probably in the age range of like six to about 10, 11, once you start getting to that age where you can pick up on things, 
they would make subtle jabs at each other in passing conversation with me and my brother. It wasn't, I don't necessarily think it was intentional and they wouldn't say things like, oh, I just can't stand your mom or I can't stand your dad. It was just little, like I said, jabs like, oh, well, I don't know why your mom can't text me about this or, oh, I don't see why your dad can't change his schedule for me for this, you know, and the child really doesn't need to be aware of any of that going on. That is between the parents. That is for them to determine how the schedule will work, where the meetups will be, all of those details. The child is not 16 driving a car, going to the meetups themselves. You know, that is a conversation to be had between the parents, just the parents, and there should be no aspect of child involvement at all. Well, and I have to think, Lauren, that just would have increased your anxiety to the extent you would have had any knowledge of those really adult issues. Well, I mean, when I tell you I spent every single day, there was a set period of 30 minutes that I had to go to the nurse's office because I would be so anxious with everything going on, being thrown into the middle of it. I would internalize it, make myself sick, throw up, and then go on about as if nothing happened. And looking back, those were all symptoms of being thrown into the middle of how's visitation going to work? How's communication going to work at six years old? I had no need to, no reason being in that position. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sending messages through your kid is so toxic. I mean, and now here you're the living example of that, really. That toxicity is so, so pervasive, right? When we are, are, when we're looking at what, um, what kids can, well, what, what parents should look for, for their kids or what parents can do to best, I guess, co-parent in the divorce situation. It's more than just getting along superficially, right? Would you agree right. with me? No, 100%. So can, are there some things that you can tell our viewers? What are, what are those things that um, parents should really be mindful of to make things easier for the child? You know, my, my biggest advice would be, I mean, the courts tell you, do not tell your child about any part of the litigation a lot of people don't abide by that. And I would say that is the biggest factor. Don't involve your child in any aspect of the divorce or custody battle. They are the child in question. They are not the child being questioned. They do not have- that's such a great way to say it. Oh my God, that's so good. Yes, Uh that's exactly Uh, right. They don't need to know any aspect. They don't have a say. The The judge will not, I mean, the judge will listen to the child if necessary, but- they are not going to listen to the child say, okay, I want to spend these days with mom and these days with dad and make that the agreement, you know? And so I think, what do you want to do? Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is just paying attention to your child. You raised them from birth. You know what their natural behaviors and tendencies are. If you start to see that slip, if you see that they are acting in a different way, even if it's a negative behavior, they're doing that for attention because you're so focused on your divorce or your custody battle that you are, even if you don't mean to, neglecting to put that attention onto your child. And so the biggest thing is just focus on the child, make it about the child, let them know that the litigation is not their fault, but don't tell them any aspects of the litigation. Okay. So, so, you know, looking back now, knowing what you know, and knowing that, you know, kids often think that they're the reason or the cause of a divorce. How do you think you as a four-year-old or five-year-old or 10-year-old would have best received that message that you were not the cause of the divorce? You know, neither one of my parents really sat me down and told me what was going on. And I know that I was a very, very young child at that point in time, but I still think it's worth, if not one parent, then both parents sitting you down and saying, 
hey, things are going to change. These are the things that we know. These are the things that we don't know, but we're going to figure it out. All we know is that while they're splitting, they're going to figure it out together for the sake of the children. Make it about make it about the children. Right. Reassuring the child that the divorce has nothing to do with them, but but the parents are going to do everything that they can do to make life easier for the kiddo. Right. And honestly, the parents don't have to lie. They can lean into telling the child this divorce is the best thing for all of us so that we can start building a happier, healthier future together, even if the parents are in two separate houses. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that because, I mean, leaning into that, really owning that is so important to what, what our message is here at the firm. You know, I mean, what the whole podcast is about, you know, the quest, the kind of the decision to make that divorce you know, pull that divorce trigger basically. Right. And then what does that process look like and how can we really kind of ease the way for our children because they will inevitably be affected. Right. right? It's but we just want a to matter make it of to where... if it's positive or negative and that is exactly. solely on the, how the parents handle the situation. Do you find that, um, you know, being so young when you divorced and really not remembering what it was like to have them together in the same home, do you find that that, I guess that lack of memory in that way is affecting you now? Honestly, no, I could, I can honestly say no, because from just the stories that I've heard of my childhood, my parents' marriage was not a happy one. You know, it, they really only stayed married for as long as they did because they had me and my brother. And I've, I've heard so many of my friends talk about their parents stayed married throughout until they graduated high school just for the sake of the children. And my friends have so many more negative impacts and symptoms of that than I do dealing with parents divorced at four, because I didn't, I wasn't growing up in that toxic environment. I was removed from it. I was able to have two, while my dad's situation wasn't always the best, I was able to grow up in two loving, happy households versus one that probably would have destroyed me and I would not be sitting here today. You know, that's really an interesting thing to say, right? I mean, the the whole idea that a lot of times people do stay married, they stay together, they say for the sake of the kids, right? For the sake of the kids until they get out of high school or until they do, you know, whatever thing. And, 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 and talking about how really maybe sometimes that's not the best answer because you do have what you're teaching your children when you're in an unhappy marriage is what a marriage should look like, right? And so how do how do, how should a kid figure out not to repeat that same model if you know if, if they see that their whole lives, right? That's interesting that you see your friends whose parents didn't divorce, because you said earlier on that you were one of the few children whose parents divorced. Right. And so now you really have a almost a healthier model of what families are then your the the your friends whose parents didn't divorce stayed married their whole life and now they're now they grow up and they're maybe repeating the same mistakes their parents did with arguing or not having healthy relationships do you see I that? have I've seen I mean I've been graduated from high school for four years and I've already seen two or three people that I went to school with get married right out of high school and divorced already within four or five year period right and it's wow. because they're repeating the same same mistakes that their parents did. Their parents are sticking it out for the children and they are the most miserable they will ever be. But their kids are seeing that as, okay, that's what I need for my life. And so they're going to be miserable just the same. And it's going to be a never ending cycle. 
Oh, that's such good advice because that is so the thing, right? You teach your children, you teach your female children how to be a wife and a mom, right? By what they see. You teach your male children how to be a husband and a father by what they see. And if that dynamic is jacked up or, you know, toxic, then that's all they know, right? Right. Because most people aren't, I mean, I'm going to say this, you're, you're very mature. You're, most people aren't as self as self-aware as you are, um, you know, in that, in that vein, when we're looking at, or we're talking about, you know, growing up, how did those experiences as a child affect really where your life kind of is going? I mean, I, I'm trying to make a career in family law so that I can be an advocate for the children because like you said, not everybody has that self-awareness level that I have. And I truly do believe that it's from all the years of counseling and therapy that I've gone through simply because of being a child of divorce. So just being a child of divorce, it's really led me into wanting to be a helping hand for people that don't have the tools and resources to say, okay, my child's struggling, let me get them into some counseling. Being a client liaison, I talk to our clients all day, every day. So I really do hear about the ins and outs of what's going on with their children, what's going on with their other relationships in their lives. And so being that child of divorce, I can kind of pick up on, okay, well, if your son isn't wanting to go outside as often as he was, maybe you should take a, make a point to take him to a water park, take him to do something that's outside, an activity that he will enjoy so that you can kind of break that barrier with him and start building a better relationship, build more trust and be able to help them in the long run. And I think what's interesting too, Lauren, is that you are in this unique position to where when people are going through this divorce process and the kid, the child doesn't live with a parent a hundred percent of the time, or, you know, the majority of the time anymore, I think you are in this unique position to be able to say, well, why don't you do something that, you know, is really a builder for the two of you. Right. Um, and, the, and to, to kind of, best use the time you have together, right? And give people ideas, not just water park, but just all kinds of things to maybe say, the bond that you build with your child now is um, only on you, right? It's not just a matter of being in the same house. It's, it has to be more intentional, I guess is the point, right? right? No, for sure. And so when you're talking to clients, do you, do you talk to them? And I don't think this is legal advice. I think this is like life advice, right? Do you talk to them about kind of making these almost dates, I guess, with their children to do important bonding types of things? Oh, I definitely suggest activities that they could do. You know, um, there's a snow cone stand right across the street from our office. So if they ever come in and they have to bring their child with them, I'm like, Hey, stop by and get a snow cone. Just spend some quality time together. Um, just little things like that, you know, like I said, being a liaison, I hear more details than almost anybody in the office. And so I can use that to translate that into ideas and activities on what that specific family can do based on the information I know about them. And, you know, what's interesting too, Lauren, is that you are the client liaison kind of in this sort of touchy-feely role here in the office where you're talking to clients about their, you know, their immediate needs, their immediate concerns, their, you know, kind of their kind of up to keeping them up to date and what's going on in the case. But you're also um, a, a paralegal student at Blinn. Is that right? I am. I actually started my internship today and I graduate in August. And so did you intend to, I guess, when you were a little girl, nobody, I guess, dreams of being a paralegal. I can't wait to be a paralegal when I grow up. But what, what was your, like, how, what was that path that got you to be, to, to go to the paralegal program? And then what, you know, what are the, what are the future goals for you so that you can kind of look at, I guess, where you came from to where you want to be? Right. No, I've always, 
always wanted to be in a position of helping somebody. I am a very compassionate person. I just, I will jump in front of a train for an almost stranger just because that's how much I care about helping other people. So I knew for sure that I was either going to go into healthcare or law. Well, I was in college for healthcare, biomedical engineering on that path. And then whenever COVID happened, I just all passion for being in that work field out the window. And so I, was, I sat down and I was really thinking about it. And I was I was thinking about different types of law that I could get into. And I'd always, I'd always been interested in criminal law and family law. And so it just, it came down to what type of law can I work in to really give me that feeling of I'm an advocate for somebody, I'm helping somebody. And so being a child of divorce, I thought there's no better position for me to be in other than working in family law as that kind of voice of reason for our clients. Voice of reason. Exactly. Right. So now you're, you want to be a paralegal and then do you have further yes. aspirations beyond that? Yes. So actually I want to do paralegal work while I get a bachelor's degree at night school. And then after that, hopefully go to law school so that I can continue this path of being an advocate for people. If you could share with our viewers, one, you know, perhaps someone who is maybe going through the the thought of, am I going to get divorced? How hard will it be on my kids? Or someone who's been through it or someone who has, has maybe gone through it themselves as a child like you have. What would you share with them just to for them to take away from today? My biggest piece of advice would be that while this is a very stressful situation for the parents involved, it does not need to be a stressful situation for the children. Um, just anything you can do to shower them with love and affection and really make them know that nothing they could have done would fix this or prevent this from happening. You know, this is the decision that needs to be made by both parents involved and they will determine the outcome without affecting the children. I love that, Lauren. Thanks so much for your time today. You have Thank really you contributed, I think, a lot of good good advice to our for our viewers. And I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me. Thanks well, so much. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. And thank you very much for, for watching us today. This is another episode of Straight Talk Honest Advice. We'll see you next time.